Good morning, everybody. If we've not met, I'm Nathan Brand, and I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here today. And I'm going to dismiss Children for Children's Church. That's ages 4 through 5th grade. And you can follow Pastor Neil out the north door here. All right. So if you're new to Berean, what we're about here is pursuing God. Because like we sang, we believe that better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. We're about preparing people because we believe that there's nothing better than Jesus Christ and serving him and, and following his kingdom. That's what fills our souls. And the disciples are not born, they're made. And so we're learning to follow Christ. And number three, we're about proclaiming Christ. Because that is, he is the Savior. He was mighty to save. And every man, every woman needs to be saved. That is the only way we can be reconciled to a holy God who loves us, who made us in his image, and wants us to have a relationship with him. And so what we've been singing are not just religious platitudes. They are realities that we're trying to walk in as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been talking about a series about being made in the image of God. You, everyone in this room, is made in the image of God, and God values His image. And We've talked about how God values His image in the womb. And last week, John Downer, one of our elders, talked about how God values his image in the elderly. It's not just a throwaway life. Today, we're going to dig down more deeply and talk about how God values his image in the area of sex and sexuality. You see, God is the one who designed sex. He made it. Unfortunately, much like many of the good gifts that God gives us, it has been used it's been abused, it's been perverted in our sin-sick world, in a place that's looking for love, sometimes in all the wrong places. He is the designer, and so we're going to look to what he has to say, what he has to share with our hearts, and see the life that he wants to give to us in following his design. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dig deeply into God's word today, okay? So God... I thank you that we can come and praise you, and today just fill our souls. Understand that you made us for yourself, and that our souls are not satisfied till they find their satisfaction in you. That as your word says, apart from you, I have no good thing. Forgive us when we try and put other things in that place. So Lord, as we talk about your good gift of sex and sexuality, would you... Would you guide my words today? Would you help us to see what you have to say in your word? And help us to bring these things under your headship, Lord Jesus. The God who came and lived among us, who gave himself up willingly for us, and is the lover of our souls, and in whom we have life. Come, Holy Spirit. Use this time to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. So the first thing I want you to know, and I've already said it, is that God is the one who designed sex. Sometimes we think that sex is dirty. 
only because it's been perverted at times. But God is the one who designed sex. Again, we go back to Genesis 127 that says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And at the very end of that, verse 31, it says it was very good. And then we get into chapter 2 of Genesis, and we get a more detailed um, picture of how God brought the woman to the man into his life. See, God puts man in the garden. He is God's representative on earth. And he gives Adam the job of naming all the animals that he's made. And it's, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, God is a God of creativity and variety. And it's very amazing. But here's the thing. As he's naming all these things, giraffe, lion, elephant. Well, that's cool. All right. But there's none that connects with him. There's none that corresponds to him. There's none that's really meant for him. Panda. You know, and God sees. He sees this. And he has an awesome plan to bring a life partner into the man's life that truly corresponds to him. So let's go back to what was read earlier. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs Then he closed up the place with flesh, and the Lord God made woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man. So think about this. God removes this rib, right? And then he fashions this corresponding partner to him out of himself. And then he brought her to the man. And Adam's response is poetry. Oh, this one that you created, God, is for me. And the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woe man. In the, in the Hebrew, it's ish man, isha. Okay? So that's what's going on. There's, there's a actually play on words. Out of the man has come woman. The principle here is that, and it goes into verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. So they become their own family. And of course, this is the first family, right? But this is what, what's going to happen in you know, succeeding families. And it follows that they are united A man is united to his wife and they become one flesh. A union takes place. It's a new family. And this union is physical, corresponding to body parts that come together as one body. As though they've been separated, these parts have been separated together, and it is a long-awaited reunion. And just in case we don't Get the context of this union. It says in verse 25, And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God designs sex. It's a design for one man and one woman in the context and the covenant and commitment of marriage. And this union of sexual intimacy, again, it's God's idea. 
See, sex is the awesome sauce of marriage. Designed to create intimacy, tenderness, vulnerability, a place to be known fully, to create physical bonds, emotional, spiritual oneness between one man and one woman, and again, to be experienced exclusively in the covenant of marriage. And it's also a place where family can be built, to be fruitful and multiply. It's so awesome, God decided to write a whole book about it in his 66 books that he puts in his word. One is called The Song of of Solomon, or The Song of Songs. It talks about how sex is alluring and attracting. At times, it challenges your sanity even. It's a powerful thing. It creates life. But it's not just about this act of sex itself. It's in relation to a corresponding person, a life partner. And because it's such a powerful thing, it's like dynamite. It's not something to be trifled with. In fact, in the wrong context, it's more like kryptonite, especially for the believer. And it can have a profound effect on your earthly relationships and that of the Lord himself. You know what's interesting in the Song of Solomon? Three times it's, it, it reiterates this phrase. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And that does not mean that just because there's sex, that love is taking place. So that sex without love takes place all the time, unfortunately. But there is a right time, a right place, a right context for this God-designed expression of love to take place. And sadly, in our world, through the sin and rebellion that's taken place, it's been marred, and it's affected how we see sex. It's it's affected how we use sex. Again, this is a gift that finds its, its origin in God's creation of us. But unfortunately, it moves from self-giving to selfishness. Our world has recreationalized sex. It's just a plaything, Something for you to, to have fun with. It's objectified sex. It's something to be conquered and acquired. I don't see the person as somebody who I need to give myself to and love and, and cherish. It's there's someone to be conquered and experienced for my pleasure. It's monetized sex. If you give me what I want, I'll give you what you want. Oftentimes, you know, we can talk about prostitution, but oftentimes that's how marriages have been reduced. Be careful about that. We weaponize sex. We use it to hurt people. The most violent expression of that is rape. And that is an abomination. But sometimes we also use it to draw people in and then hurt them as well. Misuse of God's gift. We've trivialized sex. That's yeah, no big deal. It's just a uh, you know, little something something. We've idolized sex. We think it's the pinnacle of human existence, of human experience. And we've individualized sex. I want sex how I want it with whom I want it, when I want it, to satisfy my desire. And if I'm not satisfied with my partner, well, I'm just going to move on to the next person. 
to satisfy me. It's opposite the design of our Creator. And here's where I'm going today. Did we ever consider how you and I conduct ourselves sexually is a means by which we worship our God and we honor Him who made us and the Savior who died for us. And so the second thing I want you to know that holy sexuality is God's will for the Christ follower, especially the Christ follower. Again, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 8. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. This is where this concept of holy sexuality comes from. I'm not talking about kind of having kind of an outward piety. I'm talking about being set apart for God and God alone and wanting to honor Him above everything. Not to make self or self-satisfaction the end goal of life. And it continues on, it says, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That word sexual immorality in the Greek is the word porneia. It means sexual deviation, whether that's sex outside of marriage, adultery, prostitution, incest, pedophilia, homosexuality, which we're going to talk about next week, part two of holy sexuality. But this is not, this is not right for the believer. And that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable. This is about self-control, being under control of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is, is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Under His command, not under the command of our will. Of, I, I, I just can't help myself. Really? Are you under the control of the Holy Spirit, or are you just under the control of your flesh? And not in passionate lust like pagans who do not know God. You see, we can't be operating like this world. Because this world says, what, what does God have to do with this? What does God have to do with my sexuality? I'm not sure even there is a God. And we're saying, yes, there is. And He cares very deeply. And I'm a reflection of Him. So I need to honor Him. I need to put that under His control. You know, here's something I want to I stop and talk about real quickly. Because oftentimes, we give control to Satan, or give him a foothold, when we agree with him. When we agree with him. What lies are you believing? Here's, here's where I'm going with this. But the last couple things I've just said. Do you have a view of sex saying, I can't control myself? It's tough. It's challenging. But God has given you His Holy Spirit, if you're in Christ, to have self-control. And are we thinking like the world? Ah, it's no big deal. What does God have to say about this? He's, obviously, he's got lots to say about it. We're spending a whole sermon about it. It's lots of verses about it. Are we agreeing with the world? Are we agreeing with 
the God of this, this age? Or are we agreeing with the Lord God who has made us and saved us for himself? And this is also to be done in a community. Verse 6. And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. Don't take advantage. Don't drag a brother or a sister into sexual sin. If you are aware that you have influence or power over someone, don't take advantage of him. This is especially a warning to leaders, pastors, because we have influence. We have sway over people. Don't take advantage of people. Don't take advantage of people when you know that you have influence or power over them. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we are told and warned you before. You can't continue in this way without impunity. God will hold you accountable. And even if you do repent, there still might be consequences. So bring this under the Lord's control. Verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Again, holy sexuality unto Him. If you're in Christ, you are set apart to live for Him, not for yourself. To follow Him and to be holy in your sexuality. And no matter what station of life you're in, married or single, divorced, what have you, you are called to live in holy sexuality towards him. Verse 8, Therefore, whoever rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. This isn't Pastor Nathan's idea. This isn't the Brain Community Church's idea. This is God who's speaking to you. And if you reject it, you can say, well, whatever, Pastor. Okay, you can do that. But you're not rejecting me. Ultimately, you're rejecting God who's trying to speak to you right now through his word. I have no desire to control any of you. I really don't. It's not my desire. I do desire that you would be under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him in faith and in life. And by the way, the end goal is not to get married just so you can have sex. If you think that marriage is the end of sexual temptation, you've got another thing coming to you. Just ask any married man or any woman, married woman. You're in for a rude awakening. The goal is learning to submit that desire to God in Christ and seeking to honor Him what pleases Him in holy sexuality. So number three, holy sexuality has a profound impact on your fellowship with Christ. If you are in Christ... That is, you put your faith in his life, his death, his resurrection, are looking to follow him. Some things have changed. You have a whole new identity. You have a whole new reality before God. You are forgiven. You are his child. And he's given you his life. And now, as 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 says, you have a new way to relate to sin and temptation. It says, flee from sexual immorality. You're no longer a slave to sexual sin or desire. You don't have to sit there and reason with it. Say, oh, well, I don't know. Get away from it. Run away. Remove yourself from it. Flee. Don't sit there and try and play with temptation. 
And then he goes on to say, all other sins a man commits outside his body. He who sins sexually sins against his own body. Is sexual sin the unforgivable sin? Is it the worst sin? No, it isn't. But it does have a profound impact on your life and some of the consequences. Sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancy, the heart hurt of infidelity and betrayal. Families are torn apart. Emotional, physical, uh, spiritual bonds of an unhealthy relationship because you're so enmeshed sexually you have no idea that you are in an unhealthy situation. Criminal charges. I've got a classmate from seminary who went to jail because he had a relationship with, he was a youth pastor and had relationships, sexual relationships with his young ladies in his youth group. Horrible situation. Shame and guilt. And ultimately, this is not what God intends for you in your body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received? Continuing in sexual sin is an incongruence with who you are now. In your body even, who you've been redeemed. And so there's an inner conflict. Maybe you'll be tortured by guilt, or maybe you're just trying to tamp down the voice of the Holy Spirit. You start to lose your spiritual sensitivity. It's doing damage to how you relate to the living God. You can't hear His voice anymore. Again, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Christ did not die for you so you could continue on and live your life just as you please. He's here to rescue you from sin. And by the way, the wages of sin is death. So when you continue on and say, hey, I'm just going to do what I want, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm happy continuing investing in death. And yes, you may be saved ultimately, but you're investing in death and relationships all around you. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. He died that you might live for Him. Not for sin, not for your flesh. And He wants to live His life in you and through you. Therefore, honor God with your body. The greatest command is this. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That is the seed of your passions, the seed of your emotions, with all of your soul, your very self. And depending on which passage you read in, in, the, in the scriptures, with all of your mind, what you think about, and, and with all your strength, what you give your time, your energy to. And the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is to seek the best, most loving thing for my neighbor, for somebody else, who might be someone very close to me or very far away from me, not for myself, not for what I want. The heart of holy sexuality falls and is motivated under the practice of these two great commandments. Love for God and love for others. And by the way, I want you to know it's the motive for my preaching today. Again, I'm not here to control anybody. I'm not here to try and lord over anything. But my heart for you is to experience God's best. What He wants for you. And this is a very powerful and profound area that we need to get under the Lord's control. Is it challenging in the world we live in? Absolutely. 
let's face it, we're being bombarded by advertisement, entertainment, pop culture. It's coming at us right and left. You can't open up your phone. You can't open up your computer. You can't turn on your television without being bombarded with sexual messages. It's tough. It's absolutely challenging. But you know what else? There's nothing new under the sun. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians where sexual immorality was rampant. You just walk down the street and there's a, a prostitute. There's a temple where you can, you can pay money and have your sexual desire uh, met, so to speak. It's right down the street. In fact, the word to Corinthianize is to give yourself over to sexual indulgence. So there's nothing new under the sun. Brothers and sisters, more than 2,000 years ago, dealt with this as we're dealing with this today. This is a call to fight the spiritual battle. To put on your spiritual armor. To fight the lie with the truth. It's a call to put to death. Put to death that desire that is causing death in you. It's a call to be honest. To walk humbly before each other and say, hey man, I am struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Can you come alongside me? To bring these things out into the light because you know what? Where we get in trouble is when we're keeping secrets. That's where we get in trouble. And it's a place to lean on the Holy Spirit. To let Him live His life in us. So what does this look like? I'm going to tell you, I spent all morning trying to fill this up, and I'm sure I'm not going to scratch every place it itches. But here are a few principles, all right? Number one, if this is an area where you have stumbled in the past, but you have brought this under the cross of Christ, let's remember. Let's remember that Christ came to save sinners. That's you and me. That's you and me. Because we could not save ourselves. So don't allow Satan to hold you down in shame and guilt in your old identity. Listen to these good words from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again, verse 9-11. through 11. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers... <clears throat> will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. And that was what some of you were. That is what some of you were. Some of us, before we came to Christ, that that was us. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So you need to live in the truth of what Christ has done for you in your new identity. And again, let's face it, the battle is all around us for sexual integrity. It's an ongoing battle, and again, you need to decide right now, preach to yourself, I am a man, I am a woman who wants to live in holy sexuality as unto Christ, unto Him. Okay? So, Decide to live in that. Make that choice now rather than to say, sex is for me. Sex is for my, my, uh, my gratification. And I'm going to start with you who are single. From my middle schoolers 
all the way up to you, maybe even senior citizens who are single. Here's what I want to tell you. Do not arouse or awaken love before it so desires. Don't make trying to find a life mate or scratch that itch of sexual desire your goal. Make it finding your satisfaction in Christ. Keep yourself sexually pure. Keep others sexually pure. And work on knowing the satisfaction of following Christ first. And Operate in faith that if he has someone for you, he's going to bring that to you. Many of you know my story. I didn't get married till I was 34. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places myself, and it wasn't happening. And then finally came a moment I said, okay, Lord, okay, even if you do not bring me a wife, I want to find my satisfaction in you. And then Carrie showed up. And I'm just saying, again, the end goal of life, the, the greatest satisfaction is not being married. And I love my wife. If, aside from finding Jesus, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. But I'm just telling you that she cannot fill that role that only Christ can. And that is why I can say, with her in the room, apart from Jesus, I have no good thing. Know that. So keep yourself pure. Keep others sexually pure. And it starts in the mind. I know you got tons of stuff bombarding you, okay? It starts in the mind, and I'm just telling you right now, married, single, everyone, pornography is kryptonite to your soul. And you need to go on a search and destroy mission. You need to put that to death. You need to stop going to that website. Maybe you need to tell somebody. Maybe you need to get rid of electronics for a while. But you need to put that to death. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. And that's a whole other sermon. My point is, you cannot, it starts in the mind. It starts there. You have to put that to death. And again, what is the lie that maybe you're believing? That sex is the ultimate experience? Sex is where I find my ultimate satisfaction? Have you decided that God can satisfy your soul? Are you pursuing that? And remember, if you're young, you've got a long ways to go. You've got a long ways to go before you get married. So don't awaken love before it's time, okay? If you're in a dating relationship, I'm going to ask you the question. If, if you feel like you're crossing lines, is that out of love or out of curiosity? Are you, are you doing that because you really care about that person? Or are you doing that because I want to see how far this will go? Set up boundaries before you enter into the heat of the moment. Back to my, my wife Carrie and I. I told her, I am not going to kiss you 
before we get engaged. Okay? And I stuck with that. And we got engaged. And we kissed. And we kissed and kissed some more and kissed some more. And then I said, okay, stop. Okay? I may be 33, but I, my hormones are, are well awake here. And I just said, we need to have some boundaries here. I, I, can't, I can't do this. So we get a little peck on the cheek every once in a while, but honestly, while we were, while we were engaged, we, didn't, we weren't making out, okay? Because I knew that was taking me down the wrong pathway. And I wanted to be sexually pure for my God, and I wanted to be sexually pure for my wife. So put up some boundaries. Okay? Don't wait until you get into the heat of the moment because that's, that's too late. That's too late. Don't put yourself in a bad situation or temptation where you're alone. You know? Spend time with family. Be in a public space so that you're not tempted to do that. And if you discover that that relationship is purely physical... Purely sexual, maybe you need to break that off because that's not taking you down the right pathway. And by the way, are they a follower of Jesus? Or are they just someone who's cute and likes to hang out with you? Let me tell you folks, that's a huge impact on the direction your life goes. Aside from following Jesus, that is the, that is the second biggest decision you'll ever make in your lifetime. and has profound effects. And maybe you're in a relationship and you have crossed that, that line. Again, I'd encourage you to bring it before the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9, in repentance. If we confess our sin, He is faithful, He is just, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'd also say bring it before our trusted brother or sister. Because again, we get in trouble when we have secrets, right? Bring it before somebody who says, Hey, I, I, I need you to ask me about this. I need you to follow up with me about this. And even have them pray for you and confess your sins to them. I love what James 5.16 says. It says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another in order that you might be healed. Maybe some of you have heard the story of a, of a ministry, a couple of ministries back, where I was in a men's Bible study. And one man came to the Bible study one night and says, Guys, porn is kicking my tail. And this is when the day you had to go get it at a store. It wasn't coming on your phone or your, your computer. It's kicking my tail, and I don't know what to do about it. And you know what? Another guy in the Bible said, these are followers of Jesus too, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. Another guy said, yeah, me too. And here was the thing. We were all hiding this from each other, right? And so it was a secret. And Satan said, you know what? If you brought this out in the light, these guys will reject you. No, we embraced each other. We confessed these things, brought it out into the light, and all of a sudden that started losing its power. I'm not saying it went away, but I'm just saying it started losing its power. Bring these things out into the light, and, the, and these things lose their power. And again, you have to ask the question, are you going in the same direction? If you're not, now is the time to cut, cut those ties. Because this is a very profound, very profound uh, connection. And know that God does take this serious. Hebrews 13.5 says, Marriage 
should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Again, you're heading down a pathway of death and destruction other than life that God wants to give you. Here's, a, here's another very sensitive area, and, and, and folks, I, I almost feel badly in bringing it up, but I know it's out there. Some of you have been sexually abused, and I am so sorry that happened to you. And it is wrong, and it is not what God intended. But if that's you, you need to seek counsel because it has you in bondage. That hurts. You don't understand what happened. And maybe you're blaming yourself. Maybe Satan has you under his thumb for that. Don't let him deceive you. Bring it out to a trusted brother or sister, a pastor, a counselor. Again, uh, John Downer will be in the back. I'll be available. Carrie's going to be available. I think Linda Hunsberger will be available if you need someone to talk to or pray with. But don't let that fester and rot your soul. Bring it out to the light and let God's Word change your view of yourself and give you a healthy view. And last of all, there may be somebody in here who's kind of going, okay, hey, this is interesting, but, you know, I, this following Jesus thing, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm at with this. And that's okay. Here's what I want to say to you. I recommend holy sexuality because that's how God made you. And it's the best in marriage. But your next step is not necessarily to clean that area of, of your life. It's to pursue Christ and find out who He is. Because again, God loves you. He made you in His image. He loved you so much, He sent His Son, who was in very nature God, to live this broken life. He, he lived everything, all the hurt that we experience. He went to the cross, even though he was innocent, and paid the penalty that you and I couldn't pay because we were guilty. He was not. But he loved us enough to step in our place, to take the penalty that we deserve to be eternally separated from a holy God. And last of all, he by his power conquered death. He conquered a foe that you and I can't conquer. But He wants to give us life. Life that we don't have in ourselves. I want to tell you, Jesus was not just a good teacher. He said some pretty controversial things. He said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes he uses sex as that instrument for that. But I came to give you life. And I came to give it to the full. And he says, also, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not going to happen by you being good enough. Because you can't do it, I can't do it, because God's standard is perfection. Well, nobody's perfect, Pastor. You're right. Except Jesus. And you have to decide what to do with Him. You have to decide, are you going to receive His offer? of life. 
Because he says, I came to give life and give it to the full. Earlier in John's Gospel, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's offering that to you. You have to know what to do with him, to respond to him in faith. Because he loves you. And he wants you to have life. And, and look, if you have questions, I want to speak with you after the service. Because there's, there's much more to this. But this is not a myth. This is anchored in history. More than 500 witnesses saw Jesus rise from the dead. 12 men, 11 men, who were cowards, were transformed into confessors of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, a hostile witness, a man called Saul of Tarsus, who wanted to put Jesus and his followers to death, is changed and becomes the gospel's greatest ambassador. And the gospel has changed all of history. All of history. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the question you need to answer today. And he's reaching out to you today. Maybe you'll want to respond to him today. Let me pray for us. And then I'll have the worship team come and close us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this good word from your word about sex and sexuality. And how you want us to experience your goodness through your headship in this. And ultimately, Above all else, you are the good thing that our soul needs. So I pray for us, Lord, who are hearing the um, accusations of the enemy. Help us to traffic in the new identity we have in you, Jesus. That we are your righteousness now because of what Jesus has done. And Lord, for those of us who find ourselves dabbling at this. Maybe we're committing the, the sin of idolatry because we're somehow believing the lie that there's more life in dabbling with illicit sex and sexuality than there is in following you. Would you help us to repent and turn to you and trust you for the promise that you make? That if we confess our sin, you are faithful, you are just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, if, if we need to bring that out in the open to a brother or sister, give us the courage to do that. I know that. And Lord, if there's somebody who was wounded today by sexual abuse against them, would you, Lord, would you meet them and comfort them? And would you help them to get the help that they need through your body um, and not to be blamed for what was a sin against them, Lord? And Lord, for that person who needs right now to put their faith in you, would you be at work in their hearts? And so if that's you, brother or sister, and you want to respond right now, I just want you to pray along with me. My words aren't magic. They are just a sincere expression of uh, faith in Christ. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I cannot live a perfect life before a holy God. 
But Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did. You came and lived this life perfectly. You went to the cross to pay a penalty that I couldn't pay, and you rose from the dead. So Lord, I want to turn away from my self-rule, and I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come in and change me. I ask you to keep your word that whoever believes in him, the Lord Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, I I believe in you. Come and change me. Do in me what I cannot do myself. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Recreate me in the image of your son, Jesus. So, Father, we're grateful for this good word from your word. And we pray that you'll help us to walk forward in faith. Help us to be people who are submitting our sexuality to you in holy sexuality and knowing that this is good. It's where life is found. So, Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray these things. Amen.